it is wonderful to see all of you out this morning. I know I have been available to shake hands and things of that nature. I've been trying to print extra bulletins and that, that failed. Today the copier decided it was time to run out of ink. and so uh, We have a few back there, but we do have sermon notes for everybody. If you haven't already picked up the sermon notes, uh, you're welcome to go back there and pick some up. Um, it's something I've been doing for the last, well, since I've been here. Uh, we've done sermon notes with each of the sermons so that you can follow along. And so hopefully that will be helpful to you. Again, it is great to see all of you here this morning. I see former members. I know some of you are members of other congregations. And there are some of you that aren't. And it's great to have all of you here. Uh, this is the highlight of our year. Or at least one of them anyway. Uh, aside from our singing as well. Uh, but it's great to have visitors here. And we're just so appreciative of your presence. And each one of you are here. Uh, one of the points that we made in having an open house was that we would not invite, we would not send out flyers and things of that nature to other congregations. And we did that on purpose. Each of you is here because you were invited by somebody that was a member of this congregation. And uh, so we're thankful to have you here. And we hope you'll be back with us the same time that you have the opportunity. If you haven't already thought one of the visitor's cards, you can put them in the basket as it's passed. Or you can hand them to one of our men. Uh, we'll take care of those. But we'd love to have a record of your visit uh, if you would oblige. Our theme for this year's open house is also in connection to our theme for this month. Uh, something I've done lately is to, to tie each of our lessons into a monthly theme. And this month's theme was aspiring for spiritual greatness. We want to be greater than what we ever have been as far as Christianity is concerned. That is our goal. We started with the greatness of humility and how only those who humble themselves before God are able to enter into the kingdom. We, we talked about the, the, great, the greatest sacrifice being Christ. Uh, there is no other sacrifice that could have been made on our behalf and have us have the ability to have the forgiveness of sins. It's only through Christ. He is the greatest sacrifice. Last week we talked about the greatest gift and that being love and how important it is for us to have love within our lives. And, and the gospel comes to us through love. The love of God. The love of His Son for us, for mankind. That He was willing to give Himself to die on the cross for our sins. That's love. That's the greatest gift that has ever been given to us. And today we're going to conclude that series with the greatest command. Which is actually twofold. And so the lesson tonight will also be on the greatest command. This is the first part of it. Loving God is our lesson for this morning. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Question by a Pharisee and a lawyer about the great commandment. Jesus taught his audience to love God and love others. As a matter of fact, these are the greatest commands because 
even looking at all other commands, going back to the Old Testament, even looking at those in the New, all commands are hinged on these two commandments, the basic commandment being love. We begin by loving God. We also love others as ourselves, and that is the greatest commandment to be given. Covers all others. Our lesson objectives for this morning are to learn what it truly means to love God and to prove our love for God in our actions and the way that we live. Begin with the command itself. The command to love God is not anything new necessarily. It is a new commandment in some ways from what Jesus was saying. But it comes from the Old Testament also. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and let's look at verses 1 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, says this, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In verse 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Israel was to keep the laws and commands given and teach them to their children and grandchildren. What had been commanded by God was to be bound to their wrists and foreheads, always in their minds and hearts, always before them. What commands were given in relation to loving God? We mentioned before that it's one of those commandments that encompasses all others. How so? Go to the chapter before what we just read. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Let's begin reading in verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 6. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Verse 11. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Now these are the Old Testament commandments, and we know that we have been given a new law under Christ. But as we look at the Ten Commandments, and as we look at the law that was given to the people, look at how it relates to love for God. The first four commandments given are directed at our service and loyalty to God. The first four. These commandments were all kept by those who loved God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, all of their being. Those who loved Him had no other gods before them. They would not make for themselves idols to worship instead of God. They would not use the Lord's name lightly and in a vain manner. They would honor the Sabbath day appointed following Christ's resurrection. The first day of the week is what we follow today. But they were to keep the Sabbath day holy. And we'll look at that in a moment. And even today, loving God means doing all the things He has commanded and avoiding the temptations that we are warned about. Loving God means offering everything within us to His service. A verse that we've been going over quite a bit in our Bible classes over the last couple of weeks. Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We think about everything that Christ did on our behalf and how He gave His very life for us. Wouldn't you agree that it's reasonable for us to offer our lives to Him? If the people of Israel had the love for God that He desired, then these commandments that deal with our love for Him, they'd all be covered. They would do all of those things with no problem because they loved God. But now let's look at what loving God means to the Christian. What does loving God mean to you today? I decided to take these commandments that we've already looked at and break them down and look at how they apply to our lives even today in our service to God. Let's start with having no other gods before Him and the worshiping of idols. When we look at our world today, we don't see the things that they saw back in the Old Testament days, do we? And we don't see golden calves and things of that nature that people bow down to and, and worship. There are some statues that, that people hold in high regard, but for the most part, that's not the type of idolatry that we see today. And so we might ask the question, does idolatry exist in our current generation? Can we have idols? Can we have things that we put before God? The answer is absolutely yes. There are things that we can place in front of our service to God. 
How about money and finances? Do we ever place those things before God? When we work too much to study or to attend the services of the church, are we placing money before God? Or maybe we place making money as our priority rather than God. Then that can become an idol. And there's nothing wrong with money. We have to have money in order to survive. We have to be able to, to buy things, to provide for our families. And so money is a very important thing. But is it the most important thing in our lives? I hope not. There's nothing wrong with money. But the love of money is the root of all evil. And so it becomes an idol to us. That's one form of idolatry. Material possessions. Spending more time accumulating and are caring for these things than we do with God. When we store up treasures on earth rather than in heaven, as Jesus warns in Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 21, then our material possession. So there's nothing wrong with having material possessions. But our love for them has taken over. And they have become an idol to us. So I have to be very aware of that type of idolatry as well. How about celebrities and role models? Yesterday I got to see one of my favorite bands play. The Oak Ridge Boys. I'm a big Oak Ridge Boys fan. So if you've known me for a long time, you know I like the Oak Ridge Boys. We've been to see them now four times in the last two years, thanks to my loving wife. She, she allowed me to do that. You know, sometimes we have celebrities that we hold in high regard. We maybe think a lot of them, and, and maybe you love to listen to their music or watch their movies or whatever it may be. And sometimes we have role models even of a non-celebrity nature. You have certain people that you look up to, right? As do I. Even some people that have passed on, we still hold them in high regard and think often of them. But what happens when we place these celebrities or role models in a higher regard than God? Now that's possible too. We have to be very careful not to make them idols. That word, that word idol, you know, we, we use it so often. You think of an American Idol and some of the idol shows and, and things of that nature. And we do idolize people. Maybe to a point that's not spiritually healthy. We have to be very careful of how we hold people in regard. And make sure that they're not in a higher regard. Than God. And others, school and sporting events, concerts, movies, when it takes the place of, of studying or, or attending services, that's when it becomes an idol. Neglecting to make time for God in our busy schedules, that's probably the number one on my list. Make sure that you make time for God. It's more than just saying, well, you know, I've got uh, about five minutes before I have to leave. And sit down and read a couple of verses. Okay, well, I've done that for the day. It's more than just checking off something on your list of things to do. We need to sit down and make time for God. Some people, it's early in the morning. I usually try to get up an hour or so 
earlier than what I have to be up because I try to, to do that in the morning. I, I'm better thinking in the morning than I am at night. And some of you are the opposite. Some of you maybe study better at night before you go to bed. But make sure that, that whatever you do, that you make time for God in your life. And put His Word, keep it always in front of you. Not that it always has to be open, but you know, if you really meditate on God's Word, if you really think about it and study it in the right way, it's eventually going to be right here. And eventually people will bring up things, you'll, you'll think Scripture maybe instead of other thoughts. You're keeping that in your mind. You're meditating on those words day and night, making sure that you're doing things in the right way. If there's something that needs to be changed in your life, then you think about it often so that you can make sure you make that change. That's loving God. How about using His name in vain? This is another one that is very difficult. When we think of the names of God, how do you think of God when you hear a, a name that represents Him? Psalm 113, verses 1 through 3 says this. Psalm 113, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 in reference to the Son of God and His birth. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon His shoulder. And His name, His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Those are very important names and names that we should should hold in a high regard also. Now, now think about that in comparison to your own name. You know, our name is important to us. You know, we do many things to try to protect our name and our identity. You know, we, we, we take uh, certain measures to, to make sure that nobody steals our identity and uses it in a bad way. We take very good care of our name. And we try to live the right kind of life so that we give honor to our ancestors, those that have borne our name. My first name, Benjamin, comes from a doctor within our family. And so that, that's a family name. My dad also has the name Benjamin within his name. It's his middle name. And, and so that's a, a very important name. You know, when we think of, of having children, we, we want to have a son at some point so that we can have someone to carry on the family name. Names are important, aren't they? And so should be the Lord's. When we think of the Lord's name, His name should be very important to us. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone use his name in a way that, that is not flattering 
It's not good. And every time I hear it, I cringe. Oh my! I swear in the name of... You get the idea? Euphemism, substitutions, abbreviations are just as bad. You need to be careful of how you use the Lord's name. There's a song that came out a long time ago, actually. The Collingsworth family is the one that I heard sing it first, but it goes back to the 50s or 60s. The author is unknown. But I wanted to share these words with you. The song's title is More Than Just a Swear Word. His name is voiced in every conversation. He's now become a superstar, they say. But oh, the curse it's bringing to our nation as men proclaim His holy name in vain. He's so much more than just a swear word. More than just an I don't care word. How can we use His name so recklessly? Our only hope is in this one word. Whosoever will may come word. He's more than just a swear word. He's the precious Son of God. It's so hard to understand how those around us are plunging to a lost eternity. And all the while they say the name of Jesus, but curse the only name that sets them free. Be very careful of how we use the name of God or the name of His Son. We need to hold those names in high regard. And something that I hadn't really thought of much until I got studying for this lesson. What about wearing His name? Is it possible to wear His name in vain? And we see people that wear the name of Christian. I, I, I dare say if we were to poll the world, we'd probably get more people that, that claim to be Christian. But we see people that wear the name Christian. They, they bear the name of Christ. But they live in such a way as to be just like the world around them. Uh, uh, worshiping in, in ways we've not been authorized and so many other things that go to that list. But saying that you're a Christian and living the life of a Christian is two different things. How are you wearing the name of Christ? Are you wearing it with pride and honor? Or are you wearing it in such a way as to, to bring shame to Him? And finally, the last thing I wanted us to look at is, is the commandment to keep the Sabbath holy as we have in the Ten Commandments. But let's look at keeping the Lord's Day holy. We understand that in the New Testament that the church assembled on the first day of the week. We see it in the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. We see it in the, the giving of the Corinthian church as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. They gathered on the first day of the week. In the meeting to break bread, Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and beginning with verse 23, For 
I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. We gather on the first day of the week to break bread, to give a portion of our means. We gather to, to worship and in song and prayer and, and to hear a message from God's Word. And all of these things, in all of these things, we understand that Christians continue in the Apostles' doctrine, following the pattern given in Scripture. The first century church met on the first day of the week, and so do we. We follow that same pattern that was given to us before. For all of those things that I mentioned a moment ago. For singing, praying, preaching, giving, partaking of the Lord's Supper. Those things are so important for us as Christians. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly, unmovingly, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. We continue those things even today. We follow in the apostles' doctrine as well. I know from a very young age, I, I was raised in the church. And, and so from a very young age, I understood that this is something that we do. There's no decision to be made. It's something that we do. It's something very important to the life of a Christian. To gather with the saints. What could be more important to a Christian than the renewal and strengthening of our spiritual being? Renewal and strengthening that we find in assembling together as saints of God. What could be more important than that? That's loving God. When we gather on a regular basis to be with His people and to serve Him in the way that He has commanded us, that's loving God. That's what He desires. Do you love God? Do you really love God in the way that He is pleased with? Are you serving Him to the best of your ability, not sparing anything, putting everything that you have into making your life one that He is happy with, one that is obedient to Him, one that is faithful to Him, Do you take the time in your day to, to devote at least a portion of your day? Maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe more. But do you take a t any time out of your day to devote it to God? 
to understanding His Word more plainly, and to making sure that you're following Him. That's loving God. When you realize something is not right in your life and you seek to change it, that's loving God. Do you love God? I don't know what your life is like. I believe that today we have gathered people from all different directions, if you will. We have those that are faithful Christians, I believe we probably have those that are not. But whatever your life is like, I want you to know one thing. I love you. This congregation loves you. We care for you. And we want you to be a faithful child of God. Scriptures tell us how to do that. We have to start by becoming Christian. We do so through obedience to the gospel. You hear the word, you believe it. You repent, you seek to make that change in your life and you confess that you believe that Christ is the Son of God and you're baptized for the remission of your sins. Acts 2.38 And if you've not been obedient, if you've not obeyed the gospel and you're in need of doing that, then we'd be glad to help you in that need in your life. Maybe it is that you have become a child of God, but somewhere along the way, your faithfulness has not been what it should be. And maybe you know that you need to change. You know that there's more that you can do to love God better than what you have. Maybe it's something that we can help you with. If you need to come in repentance, rededicating your life to Him, asking for forgiveness for something that you've done, seeking prayer on your behalf, if there's something that we can do along those lines, we'd be glad to help you. And if you don't feel comfortable coming forward, then let us talk to you after services. The invitation is always open. It, it never closes. But if you have any need whatsoever in your life, if you need to become a child of God, or if you need to rededicate your life as a faithful child of God, if there is something that we can do to help you, we give you the opportunity as together we stand and as we sing.